You know, the Lord is always good to us. And he's always good to us here in CET. It's great to see so many. It's good to see so many youth away out. And then when they come back, when we're finished, and we all go home, I apologize there's no tea tonight. Uh, because we need to clear the card park that all uh, the other youth can come in. There are probably about 300 of them away in here uh, if the usual amounts come in. So we need to vacate to let them in. And they're having their a service, a meeting here straight afterwards. Will you turn with me to Haggai, Haggai chapter 1, please? Haggai chapter 1. Chapter 1, beginning to read at verse 1. Encounter Grace are away singing tonight as well. The, the group are all away. And, you know, we're blessed to have so many gifted and talented musicians and singers and groups. And they're away to uh, bless someone at a, a mission uh, tonight. They're not with us. But, uh, you know, Wendy, those two pieces were just absolutely beautiful. Haggai chapter 1, please. Verse 1. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord to Haggai the prophet, unto Zerubbabel the son of Shedhael, governor of Judea, or Judah, pardon me, and to Joshua the son of Josedach, the high priest, saying, Now notice the people that the word of the Lord is coming to. It's coming to the prophet that he would bring the word of the Lord to uh, the civil magistrates, to the government, and if you want, to the church, to the religious establishment. Notice this, verse 2. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time has not come, the time that is the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses? On this house lie waste. Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Who feels like that at the minute? All over, isn't it? Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build a house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. You looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why? saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man unto his own house. Therefore the heaven over you is stead from dew, and the earth is stead from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon all the labor of the hands. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Josedach, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, 
as the Lord our God had sent him, and the people did fear before the Lord. Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, and the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedach, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, in the four and twentieth day of the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your spirit with us this evening. This morning, Lord, you blessed us with your presence. And again tonight, Lord, you've blessed our hearts even as we sing our praises unto thee. Thank you for so many coming out and, Lord, such a day as this. And, Lord, we ask you to bless them as our faces differ, so do our needs, and we pray that you would, Lord, minister to each and every one of them. Father, we think of the, the youth, the young people, the leaders, the teachers, and David down there, Lord, who would, Lord, testify of how you saved him. Lord, we pray, Lord, as they have their own church tonight down in that polytunnel, Lord, that you would move by your spirit there. May they be conscious and aware of you, Father. So, Father, we thank you that you're good to us. You're gracious and you're kind and you're merciful, compassionate and loving. Well, thank you, Lord. We can say in the Lord Jesus Christ, he saved me. All who have come to Calvary to know the Father by him. So we pray, Lord, thy spirit, that he would move from seat to seat and heart to heart again this evening. And Lord, if there is one or some who have not yet been saved by your sovereign grace, one who does not know your son as Savior, and if there are some who have walked away from you, Lord, that you would speak to hearts as you deem fit to do, save souls for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I've entitled this message this evening, It's Now or Never. A warning from Haggai the prophet. It's now or never. A warning from Haggai the prophet. I have asked the Lord not to give me any more messages like this. Strange, isn't it? Because I feel that for some time now we have been warning the nation of things that have been happening, that were going to happen as according as the Lord by his Spirit has shown us in his word. And I said, Lord, I feel if I keep bringing this sort of message, the people will feel of nothing else to give. But this is the message that the Lord keeps telling me to give in order that the people of our land, of our nation, and the church, that they might sit up and listen. I'm not a prophet, and neither am I the son of a prophet. I am none of that. But all I'm doing is to bring that which the Lord has laid in my heart for you and for all in our nation. I think if we're honest with ourselves when we look at the United Kingdom, if we're honest with ourselves when we look at what has happened this last week, especially in Westminster, the mother of parliaments 
has become a laughing stock to the world. Confusion, upheaval, uncertainty has come to the very heart of government of our nation. Enemies are all around us on every side. Enemies that are from, if you want, the European Union land grab from an Irish Republic. We hear of the WEF and all of those things that the elitists want to do to our land and to our nation. And we find that our enemies are encroaching on our national life from within. From within. We find that there's a, a way that we thought we could go when we found out that every man has done that which is right in his own eyes. And since he has done that, we find that our nation has went worse. My time mic isn't working. It's fell off. That's what's wrong. Hold on. You hear me now? That many in our nation have done that which is right in their own eyes, just as Israel did before the Lord. And they cast out the Lord from our land and from our nation. And the Lord has allowed us to go such a way, even though he has warned us time and time again. The people of our land hate the Lord Jesus Christ. They despise his gospel. They turn away from his commandments. And hence we are at the point now that even at the very heart of our nation, the very heart of our government in London, we find there is confusion in the main political parties. Man does not know what to do. They're making a mess of it. I believe, personally, I believe this is the hand of God and chastisement to our nation. This is the hand of God in chastisement. Notice here, and Haggai the prophet is bringing a warning. Now you have to understand the setting of this. The northern kingdom of Israel are gone. They're gone over 200 years now, and they're way carried captive by the Assyrian never to return. And now the southern kingdom of the house of Judah are in Babylon for 70 years and are brought back. The Lord allows them an escape after 70 years. And Haggai is post-captivity, after the captivity, like Zechariah is and Malachi are all post-captivity prophets. Notice this. The Lord gives the prophet the word for the nation. He says, if you want this mess that you're in to be fixed, here's what you've got to do. Here's what Britain has to do. The United Kingdom has to do. Here's what Ulster has to do. This little evangelical spot. I was going to say in Europe, but sure, we're trying to get rid of that, aren't we? Here's what we must do as believers, as a people, as blood-washed, born-again Christians. 
It was in the second year of Darius the king in the sixth month in the first day of the month came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, unto Joshua the son of Josedach, the high priest, saying. In other words, the word of the Lord came to the prophet. A prophet brings God to man. That's the office of a prophet. God speaks to the prophet to bring it to man. So the prophet's office is to bring the word of God to the people. A priest was to bring the people into fellowship with God. So one came down and the other went up the way. And here we're told that the very priesthood that was to start the building again of Zerubbabel's temple as it's known, the the timing here is around, well, they, they were released on, on about 538 BC. They started work on the temple. The book of Ezra runs alongside some of the things you'll hear. Ezra is post-captivity as well. They've come out to build the temple. Nehemiah is also post-captivity. He comes out to build the walls of Jerusalem. And we find here that Haggai the prophet, he, they realize that there's no work has been done for two years and then for another 14 years. So they were working a couple of years on the temple. They stopped it and then they just, well, it's the temple. We'll work when we can. We'll do what we can whenever we can in Jerusalem. For 14 years, the temple was more or less disregarded. And we'll just give it, well, it's the church, you know. It's the church. I'm not talking about this church here. I'm not talking about Christ Encounters Tabernacle, but yet we are part of the universal church. I'm talking about the church in general and how the church, the people of God, the church, the blood washed, they have mainly just went, well, it's the church. Fourteen years has passed, and it's about 520 B.C., And 520 BC, God has had enough. And basically, he's telling the people, it's now or never. It's now or never. Do you want to put things right, Britain, United Kingdom, Ireland, America, Canada, and so on? Do you want to put things right? Then God speaks to government. And God speaks to the church. It's now or never a warning from Haggai the prophet. Notice verse 2. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. In other words, we don't need to worry about getting right with God. I'm not talking about building big edifice here. Sometimes CET will have our own building and we are looking forward to that and we will move into that when the Lord supplies that and has the right time. I'm not even speaking about that. I'm talking about the church, those blood-washed, born-again believers starting to, to work for the Lord, to stand for the Lord, to believe the Lord for greater, bigger things for the nation and to bring the word of the Lord into the courthouse, the schoolhouse, and even the government house. And so the word of the Lord comes through Haggai to the civil authority and to 
the religious authority, but the people of the land. Notice, the people say the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Ah, well, you know, it's all right. We're comfortable. We've got our house, we've got our home, and we are comfortable. We don't need to worry about the things of God or the Word of God. And, you know, we're Christians, and we'll, that's enough, and we're, we can go so far, but don't push us any further. The problem with that, brothers and sisters, is this. That one little step leads to another little step. And when you give an inch, they take a mile. When you give an inch, they take a mile. Think of our nation and our land with the ungodliness that's in it. Think of our nation and our land and our people who are afraid even, just normal five-eighths people in society mainly are afraid to speak out of the abominations that are happening in our streets and in our city centers. And now we're going to look at it. Evil is good and good is evil. Light is dark and darkness is light to many. And here the Lord is saying, you must consider your ways. You must consider your ways. The word consider is in chapter 1. Verses 5 and verse 7, it says, consider your ways. It's in chapter 2 and verse 15. The Lord says, consider from this day upwards. And then again in verse 18, consider now from this day upwards. And then in verse 18, he says, consider it. I think the Holy Spirit is trying to get something across to Judah here. Trying to get something across to you and I this evening. I looked up the word consider just to see what the dictionary would say about it, that means to look carefully, to think, to deliberate on, to take into account. Yeah, it means that. And there is a word in the, the, in the Bible, bene, and it's a word for consider. Considers quite a few times through the word of God. But the word bene gives that idea, just to consider this. To think about it, to take some thought about this. But that's not the word that the Lord is using here through Haggai the prophet. Not just, well, I want to tell you something now, just consider it. Well, Lord, I'll think about it. Well, Lord, I'll run it over in my head and in my mind. Well, Lord, we'll see how I get on with it and I'll, I'll, I'll just mull it over. No, that's not, it's the word bene for consider in the scripture. When we just think about things and mull them over, the word here is different in the scripture. It's the word sum. Sum. And this is what it means. It gives the idea to set apart, to a point, to lay hold on. To set apart, to a point, to lay hold on in order to bring transformation. That's what God is saying to Judah. There's a transformation needs to take place in the church. The transformation needs to take place in the church. You see, I hear people saying, we need a new reformation. We need a new reformation. We don't need a new reformation. We have had the reformation. We need a transformation. For the scripture says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds. We need to change our thinking. 
We need to change our thinking on what an elitist company would want from our land, from our people, from our nation. What they would do, the the background noise that is made that you and I do not hear and the things that they magnify to blind us with in order that we would see the goings on behind the scenes. Brothers and sisters, we do need to think carefully. We do need to deliberate. We do need to take into account, but really what we need here is to lay hold on the things of God. It means consider from the heart and be steadfast. It gives the idea of someone coming and laying hold, as it were, like the horns on the altar. Lord, my mind's made up. Lord, I'm holding on. I'm not letting go. It's like Jacob. I will not let thee go. Except thou bless me. He's holding on to the Lord. He's holding on to the angel of God. His heart was fixed until God would transform him. And Haggai the prophet comes with the word of the Lord to the civil authority. And also he comes with the word of the Lord to the church or the religious authority. Consider your ways. You lay hold on for transformation, church, until you're transformed into that which Christ is. Notice here, consider your ways was an exclamation of a herald and of a prophet sent directly to Judah, but the people just thought light of the word of God. But this people say, that's what it says in verse 2, this people say, this people say the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet saying, is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses? And this house the lie waste. In other words, you're so comfortable in your ways, you're, you're just going on with life. And the fervor, the desire, the passion, the drive that you had for the things of God have died in you because you're so comfortable. Because the job is just, you need more money. You want to work more for it or whatever it is. And you're building up your kingdom of yourself and your house. And here he comes and he says, is this your way? Do you really want to go this way? And look at the state of your nation. Brothers and sisters, I don't know if you have realized it or recognized it yet. But it's getting more and more solid in view, my view, that I told you long ago there's coming a time when you will rely on government so much, when you will rely on what they can give you over these this period. It has to be either, well, we're going to give you money for uh, for, for the coronavirus and we're going to give you money for uh, the, the, the heating and, and the, the prices. And, and listen, it all sounds admirable, but your children and mine are going to be paying for it as well as us. 
nothing for nothing. And hence, government will buy up more from private business as a small man and small woman in market and business die and the multinationals grow. And you will find that the government will then be ruling us like slaves. Notice this. The Lord says, is this the way you wish to go? They had begun to rebuild their own homes. They built their businesses, but they had neglected that for which the Lord had rescued them. They had been derelict in tending to the construction of the temple and making the Lord the central focus of all of their hopes and their dreams and their plans and the prosperity of Judah. The message was so effective in shaking the people from their lethargy. This message worked so well because the people listened and started to work. In four years, the land, the nation, the church, as it were, was turned around. Four years. That's how long we generally have a party in government, doesn't it? Brothers and sisters, if we can look at what is happening in Britain today, this this message, if it was taken on board, would be so effective. And I know there are Christian politicians who are trying their best. I know there are Christian politicians who stand up against the evils of abortion and other things like that, and they're trying their best, but they're only one and two people maybe, here and there. Our land, our people, our government need to repent and to turn to the Lord. This word consider sum, sum, S-O-O-M in our English rendering It gives the idea to set apart, to appoint, to lay hold on, and to transform. Let me just show you some of the words, uh, uh, the different verses. I've just picked a few out, and I've just wrote them out that we can look at them. Psalm 78 and verse 5. Listen to what it says. For he established a testimony in Jacob. God established a testimony in Jacob. What if God established a testimony in the United Kingdom and Ireland and so on? Establish a testimony in Jacob. Notice, and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. See the words, he appointed a law in Israel. The word appointed is the exact same word for consider. Sum. It means that God came in testimony, and when they worshipped him, when they served him, he brought their law. Listen, And he, as it were, fixed his law. His law. Fixed his law into the center of Israel. Remember when Britain was great? Because they fixed the law in the center of Israel. Because they fixed the law in the center of Britain. 
In Isaiah 5 and verse 20, listen to what it says. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, and put light for darkness and darkness for light, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Notice woe. This isn't like a, a, a nice saying here. This, is, this woe comes from the depths of the bowels of the eternal spirit through the prophet. Woe unto them. That's what it reads. It's a deep yearning. It's a, a woe unto this nation, unto this people. And the word here, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light. The word put, P-U-T, is the exact same word for consider. It's the word sum. And it gives the idea that they take the darkness and they take it and they move it and fix it in the nation. They fix it among society. They fix it in the hearts of your children. It's like that man holding on to the horns of the altar. Hence they hold on with their wickedness and their darkness. And that's what's happening in our society. They are fixed on it. They put darkness for light and light for darkness. They've turned our nation upside down. I'm talking about the men in society now. If you ask me, who is to blame for everything that's going on here? Is it the government? Is it the politicians? You can ask me, is it the man in the street? Want me to tell you who I know, who I believe it is to blame? The men behind the pulpit. It's the men behind the pulpit. Because the men behind the pulpit have forgot to preach the word of God. They've become afraid. They've become ashamed. As goes the church. So goes the nation. As goes the church, so goes the nation. And hence men in our nation have taken this book and they have twisted it where they say it's all about pleasure. It's all about prosperity. I've taken this book and said it's all about a big daddy Santa Claus in the sky who loves, 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 loves and he'll accept everyone and everything just the way they are. And this book tells me there are those who will say, depart from me. I know you're not. This book tells me it. New Testament. That's where our nation has went wrong. They're afraid. Men behind the pulpits. I'm not saying I'm the only one who will preach it. I'm talking about the mostly many men behind the pulpit have now got a backbone like a wet noodle carved out of soft banana. They're afraid to preach the word. They no longer preach the blood and the book. The amount of churches now who say, don't come and preach the blood. Don't come and preach the blood. Don't talk too heavy about Calvary. Don't stir up the people. 
I hear people talk about it all the time. Preachers have told me it over and over and over again. And all their churches that go to visit them, they say, don't be too heavy with the people. You know why? Because they're afraid of the people not coming back. Brothers and sisters, this word, consider, soon, he says they have put, our nation has went so low and degraded, God is bringing chastisement. And listen, if we do not turn, it's now or never. And if we do not turn, here is the warning from Haggai the prophet, which I believe the Lord has given me for this time. If we do not see it and turn and repent of our ways as a nation, as a people, as a society, and as a church in general, then it will come from chastisement to judgment. And national judgment will come upon our land. They have put soon. They have transformed that which was light into darkness. And that which was darkness, they have transformed it. They have laid hold on it. And that which used to be even illegal in our land is now legal. They're talking about legalizing drugs. Legalizing drugs. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. I was a drug addict and I know what drugs do. I know the devastation they cause in homes. I've buried friends. I've watched them go into the ground. I know the devastation that drugs do. And I've buried family through drink as well, alcohol. I know the devastation. And now the, the liberalized leftist. I want to watch my tongue. Marxists. They want to disrupt and disturb the whole of society. That we look at them as our saviour. As our saviour. In Isaiah 53. Isaiah is beneath the cross in the spirit of God. 750 years before the the Lord even dies. And, And Isaiah 53 and verse 10 says. And yet it pleased Jehovah or Yahweh to bruise him the son. The Lord Jesus. Yet a priest pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed and shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. See the little word there, make, M-A-K-E. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. This is 750 years before it happened in Christ. In other words, the prophet, the Lord, is saying now to the prophet, and the prophet is in communion with the Lord. And when you make his soul, the soul of the man, Christ Jesus, when you make his soul an offering for ten sin, for the sin of our land and for our nation and for our people, 
For your sin and mine was sang. He saved me. He saved me. That's what we were singing. Thank God he saved us. The prophet is saying you'll make his soul. And 750 or so years elapses. And there is Christ on the cross. My God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? And the word make is the same word for consider soon. It means he takes him, the father, and he gives his son and he's nailed to a tree. It gives the idea he's laid hold on his soul for my sin. For your sin. The father crushed his son, burdened his soul with me and with you. And there are men and women who think, I'm all right the way I am. God loves everybody and will accept every way, every lifestyle and every person. That's not what the scripture says. Last one of this, consider, and then, boy, time's flying already. Time's almost gone. Daniel 1, in verse 8, it says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. And the word here is purposed. It's the same for consider, assume. Daniel was steadfast. Daniel's heart was so transformed that all he looked for was the law of Yahweh. Daniel in his heart, no matter when they say as you can, when you hear the music and you hear all the instruments playing and they start to worship uh, the gods of Babylon and mystery Babylon, the great that we find in religion today. We find it in Romanism, in Judaism. These mystery Babylon, the great religions, and we find it throughout the world today. And Daniel purposed in his heart he wouldn't even eat his meat or take a drink with him. He wouldn't go into the world to do it. There's no other spirit. And see, next week, you watch all the good people, especially the Christians who will dress up their kids, and they'll go and they'll start celebrating Halloween. And it's not Halloween, by the way. The 31st of October is Reformation Day. Hello? Is it a wonder? Is it any wonder our nation is in the mess it's in? Reformation Day just happens to fall on the day we're going to worship demons and devils. When we, when we are accepting of the most vile and filthiest activities in our streets and in our nation and our lands and our cities. When the, when the young is aborted and doesn't even have a chance in the womb where it is freely offered up on the Moloch. Is it a wonder, is it a surprise that our nation is going to hell in a handcart? And there is such a disturbance among it that the people just don't know what to do anymore. Consider your ways. 
I ask you, friend, if you're not saved tonight, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Lay hold on that which is good. Lay hold on the word of God as Christ lays hold on you. Consider your ways. I'm going to have to round this up. Too much material. The Hebrew figure of speech for consider your ways. The Hebrew figure of speech here is put your heart. You ready? Put your heart on your roads because ways is plural here. Put your heart on your roads. In other words, the way you want to go. Listen, see if you want to go and serve the devil, then go serve him. Give him all your heart. Go. You want to go in and serve the devil in the world, then it's put your heart in it and go. That's what the Lord's saying. If you don't want me, then go. He's saying, consider your ways. If you do want me, then be transformed and lay hold on that which is good. Lay hold on that which is right. Lay hold on that which is of the prophet. God was saying to them, consider the road you are taking. Consider the way you are going. Consider the direction you are headed. And one old scholar says consider your road your direction your ways put your heart on it then think do you really want to go that way do you honestly really want that Britain do you want that is this what you want brother sister could I ask you and you can answer in your own heart state of our land is that what you want Whatever lies ahead of us. Is that what we want? A government that, that, that passes laws and jurisdictions and, or, or things that, uh, that are against God's law and the, uh, the, the slaying of the baby and, and the womb and, and the sin and the depravity of the nation and the people. Is that what you want? Is that what way you want our children and our grandchildren to grow up? Do we want our our children and our grandchildren should the Lord tarry? Do we really want to lay that in our hearts where we don't really care? The temple isn't really built because it's been sort of neglected, but sure, we're all right. Is that what we want for our young ones? You know, tonight... Before I came here, and I was in the house, started reading through this, and much of what I have said I haven't even written down because, well, just it was in my head. And I was in reading in my study after my dinner, and every Sunday when I get, well, most Sundays I should say, I watch Donnie Swaggart preaching. He's a good Pentecostal preacher, and I watch him every Sunday. And then when he's off, I go and I watch another pastor from here, but I'm not going to tell you who he is, because it'll only blow his head up. It's Tom Quinn. Anyway, 
<laughs> and it was over and I says, right, into my study. My Sunday afternoon always starts about 3.30. My Sunday night meeting starts about 3.30. Maybe quarter to four. And I was in and I was reading through this and I says, Lord, if what you're giving me I give to the people, maybe they're, they're going to think that this man has nothing else to say and he's just doom and gloom. Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. All he done was cry and weep. I'm reading this before I come out. And, and from leaving the house to here is 10 minutes in the car, roughly. Depends the speed I go. I made it one time in seven. The whole way up the road, I was fighting hell. Fighting hell. Lord, I don't want to do this tonight. I just, I just don't want to do it. Well, then consider your ways, son. You consider your ways. Lord, I, 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 I'm going to stand up and there's another night where there's a warning. It's a, it's some, you consider your ways, son. I have given you this. You bring this. And when we get up to sing and we're playing and the group, I stood back because the girls were just so, they're singing. I, I just mess it up every time I get to the mic. I just ruin it for them. So I stayed well back and played, felt like David played on his harp before Saul and the, the, the spirit left him. That old spirit, wicked, evil spirit left him. I felt it leaving me, and then when when they get up, that's why I get up and says, let's sing this again. Let's sing it again. Because in my heart, my heart was starting to just come out of my boots. It was hiding down my socks somewhere. But once I step up, the Lord says, now speak. Give it to them. Here's what I've written as I close this. Headstrong people going headlong into destruction. Headstrong people going headlong into destruction. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 32 verses 28 and 29. All that they were wise. That they understood this, that they would consider, there's the word been. That means that they would think about this. They would consider their latter end. Where will it end? Friend, where will your life end? Where will you spend eternity? Where will it end? Isaiah 9 and 16 says, For the leaders of this people do cause them to err, and they that are led of them are destroyed. So brothers and sisters, here's what I'm saying. 
There's actually a woman, and she, let me just get her name, if I can find it. Joyce Baldwin. Now listen to what she said on Consider Your Ways. She wrote, The first part of this message can be entitled, It's Now or Never. In verse 6, we have a financial crisis. A financial crisis. In verse 10 and in verse 11, we have God's chastening hand. Brothers and sisters, what's now or never, what will it take for us as a church? Christian people, a nation. What will it take for us? What's our latter end? Here's what I've written there. Look, just there. I wrote that. Just jotted this down because it came to my head. They were to build the temple. Listen to what it said. I wrote, to repair the temple was to prepare the people for the coming of Christ. And to have them come into right relationship with him. It's through this temple that they look for the coming of Christ. You and I are the temple of the Holy Ghost who is in you. It's not what Paul tells us. It's time to repair your life, your walk, your devotional time. Prayer life, faithfulness to ministry and to house. It's time to take your stand to have the reparation, the repair in the life that you and I will stand and prepare the people. You see, John the Baptist was the one, the voice crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord, make straight his path before Christ would come. And Isaiah had prophesied of him coming. And then comes John the Baptist after 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New. 400 years. And he comes, prepare you the way of the Lord. Make straight his path. And the people come and they ask John the Baptist, art thou Elijah Malachi? Chapter 4 says that the Lord would send Elijah the prophet before the great and dreadful day of the Lord come. And they come and they say, are you, to John the Baptist, are you Elijah that they say was to come? Speaking of Malachi 4. And he says, no, I'm not. They ask the Lord Jesus. And Jesus says, if you can receive it, speaking of John the Baptist, he is. Elijah that was to come. So Jesus said he was. John said he wasn't. He was telling the truth. The angel comes to a virgin girl, Mary. Starts speaking how she will have a child. I know what he says. He shall go. Pardon me to Elizabeth. Not a virgin girl, Mary. Elizabeth. And he says to Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother. He says of John the Baptist, he shall go forth. In the spirit and the power of Elijah. Jesus says, if you can receive it. In other words, it's a spiritual thing. He's saying, can you hear and can you see with your eyes? 
brothers and sisters, when I read this, this is all I can hear and this is all I can see. And I am deeply troubled for Ulster. The enemies are all around us. I thank God we do have some good people who will take their stand. There's one over there. I don't want to name you for the cameras. There's one. In politics, he will stand up and be counted for these things. But what about us? As the temple, we are to repair the way of the Lord. The Elijah ministry to be raised up in church. The body of people filled with the Holy Ghost and power. Because Christ is coming soon. He's coming again. Who believes Jesus is coming again? If you really believe it. Look. All believe Jesus is coming again. Look at all the hands. Look. Really believe it. The Father made his soul made the soul of Christ an offering for sin. In other words, he paid the debt. He paid it in full that you and I could be free from our sin. Tim, would you come up, please?